Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, welcome to episode 15 of the No Look Pass podcast presented to you by WRSPN.com. We want to thank you for tuning in. You could be listening to anything in the world, but you're here with us, and we appreciate that. I am your host, Frank Santos, a.k.a. my mom's favorite son, who hopes there's a special corner in hell for people who post TV spoilers. And I have my co-host with me today, Andy Flynn. Flynn, what's good? I just want to have a quick shout-out for Michael, the walking triple-double Beasley over there in China, tearing it up. Oh, yeah, what was it, like 63, 19, and 13 or something like that? Shout out the to All-Star China. game is supposed shout to be fun. Yeah, shout-out to China, who takes every uh, problem case in the NBA and just makes him into a superstar. I bet you Michael Beasley is going to get, like, $10 million from somebody next season and then just, like, turn back into Michael Beasley. It's going to be great. Uh we just want to uh, apologize for the extended delay. We sort of uh, told LeBron we just took a mysterious two weeks off. Um, you know, we had some family situations to attend to, but now that we're back in the fold here, we are going to go on with the show. Uh, we were going to start with while you were watching TNT, like usual. We had an extended run because of the uh, little hiatus there with the Miami Heat. And then we were going to talk about the San Antonio Spurs, which we've been promising you guys for a couple of weeks now. And then uh, we're going to get into our fantasy segment as usual. But as usual, while you were watching TNT, we were watching the Miami Heat. We had an extended run. There were eight games played while we were watching them. They went three and five. Their wins were first in the Indiana, which was a very good game, at Phoenix and at Denver. And the losses were versus the New York Knicks, uh, at Utah, at Golden State, and at the Los Angeles Clippers. So some some decent losses. You know, they took losses to, to pretty good teams, especially the Knicks are playing good ball, and I kind of owe them an apology considering I said they weren't going to be in the playoff run in, in a few uh, weeks, a couple weeks ago, and it seems like they are playing pretty well. Andy Flint, how many Miami Heat games did you watch? And initially, and I want to point out that we kind of had another one of those weeks where the streak wasn't intact at first because they were two and one the original week, but then they just they went were. on this bad West Coast trip and lost. But I ended up watching the Clippers game. I watched the Golden State game. I watched the Knicks game, and I watched part of the Suns game, uh, the Knicks oh, wow. and the Suns being from that first week. And then I actually I watched, I watched the Indiana game, the Denver game, and I also watched some of that Knicks game as well. So we got we got them pretty good covered here. What were your impressions of the Miami Heat? Because to me, I mean, we, I watched, we watched an eight-game stretch here, and I'm still kind of confused. <laughs> so tell me what you think. It was funny because you were saying you were confused after a few, and I, I kind of agreed with that. I think some of this is skewed, obviously, because they did, uh, after they played the Pacers and the Knicks at home, they played uh, on the road at Phoenix, at Utah, at Golden State, at the Clippers, who were playing good basketball, at the Nuggets, at the Thunder. I mean, it, it, this is just not good. They almost lost that game to the Nuggets, too. It was the only one they won in there. Uh, besides the Phoenix game. And I think the Heat, I still am going to stand at what we were saying a couple weeks ago. I think Miami in the playoffs is going to be a dangerous team. And, I, frankly, I, I don't really see them finishing outside of the top five probably in the East. I think, you know, looking at looking at what we just watched playing some of these West Coast teams, I mean, obviously with the Clippers playing, I think the Clippers are 7-3 and three in their last 10 games. They're turning it around. Obviously the Warriors, uh, which was a good game for a while, and the uh, Thunder, too, who are, you know, third place out west taking names. I just – I feel like this is going to be a team that's going to 
probably need their rest for guys like Wade and Chris Bosh. But if they can hold on to one of those top five seeds, I don't think they should have any problem of at least reaching the second round of the playoffs, and, and then we'll talk from there. But, yeah, I'm, I'm as confused as you are. You know, Hassan Whiteside has been great. He's guarding the rim. Bosch is doing what Chris Bosch does. You know, Wade has a couple games where he looks like Dwayne Wade from, like, 2008, and then he has a couple games where he looks like, you know, Dwayne Wade now. Uh I expect a little – I wanted more out of, like, a guy like Gerald Green. I, I kind of thought he yeah. would come in and have a bigger impact on this team. What, what did you see? So, I should the first thing I should mention is that the loss I did not mention was the Oklahoma State loss. Oklahoma State, Oklahoma City. I'm not doing college basketball right now, and Oklahoma State just came on the screen, so I kind of had a mind part there. Uh, Oklahoma City, and they got blown out last night from Oklahoma City, 99-74. to the one thing I noticed first first off was that this is still Wade and Bosch's team. Through all the changes, you know, LeBron leaving and all that stuff, they're still the core of the team, and Wade has been surprisingly healthy the whole season. I mean, he missed, uh, I think, either one or two games while we were watching them. But he's played, I think, the first 37 games, he'd only missed one game the whole season. So, obviously, that is a good omen for this team if, if Wade's going to be healthy. But at the same time, like you're saying, they might want to get him some rest at some point because you really need him for the playoffs. Uh, the other question I have that I have for you, and I'm still wondering, this is part of the reason why I'm confused, is I'm not sure how good Hassan Whiteside and Goran Dragic are on this team. Uh, Hassan Whiteside, I'm not sure how good he is, period. Uh, Goran Dragic, I really love his game. I'm just not sure if it works on this team, which is sort of like a bipolar. you got to kind of have a, a half the starting lineup wants to do one thing and half the starting lineup wants to do another thing. Like Wade and Bosch, they don't want to run up and down the floor and Goran Dragic gets the rebound and he gets the outlet pass, and he's looking to run, and there's sometimes where he's running and he's all alone because nobody, nobody's running with him because they're all slow and old, and they don't really want to run up and down the floor like that. So I, I sort of I don't know what you do about that. I don't know if it's just sort of, okay, this is going to be Dragic's team in two years, so we're going to try to have to deal with this now because Wade and Bosch maybe won't be here you know, later in the, in their years, that kind of thing. I'm not sure what they're doing, or if it's well, maybe Goran Dragic has to go. This is a bad trade; it didn't quite fit. So, what do you what do you think about Dragic and and Whiteside on, in this offense? I, I'm not a huge fan of, of Goran Dragic, anyways. I I I've never. I mean, I think he's a good player. Don't get me wrong. Like I, I you know, I'm not saying he sucks, but I, I feel like the hype maybe was a little much for me. And I look at a team, you know, where he came from, like Phoenix, I'd much rather have Brandon Knight. I, I mean, I I just yeah, – I've mean, never I really that. seen I mean, I it. I, I saw that, you know, the one – he had that one year in Phoenix where he was – where I thought he just really played really well. But I, I don't know. I, I never was really up in arms over the kid. And, I mean, we're talking about it being his team in a couple of years. He's going to be 31 by that point. I, I feel like he came on a little late, too. I think we've discussed this before. Um and as far as Sam Whiteside goes, I, I just don't – I think he's the kid's too uh, too motivated by his NBA 2K rating, which to me is just kind of like a young knucklehead mistake to make in life. I, You know, you're playing with a team with a couple of future Hall of Famers, and you're – you know, you do have – I think you do have a legitimate chance to maybe challenge some teams – in this conference later in the season, as long as you have your guys fresh and healthy. And, you know, he's just kind of, he's one of those goofballs. I mean, he does some of these great things, you know, we see him getting triple doubles with blocks. Now, how many of those does he have this year? I mean, 
it's it's one of those rare things, but at the same time, how good is he? He was going at uh, uh, Draymond Green on social media, yeah. back and forth. Right. I don't know if you caught some of that, but, you know, in Green's like, can you even score in the post? <laughs> he's talking <laughs> about posting guys up, of, and when has he done a post move? Yeah, he's the kind of guy that checks his Twitter mentions, but not actually, like, people that add him. Like, he probably searches his own name and actually checks to, to see if anybody's hating on him, and then he replies to those instead of actually checking. I feel like he's the kind of guy that goes that extra mile and does that. So he hangs so out with, right. like, Joel Embiid. Yeah, he's a complete complete knucklehead. I mean, it, it's it's hard, It's not hard to believe that this guy was out of the league, despite how good he is. You have a guy that gets a triple-double with blocks, like you're saying, and I can still see why teams just didn't, don't want him on their team. It's it's like your your typical textbook hot girl crazy theory like the hotter the girl is the more crazy you can put up with it's just sort of that balance in the nba like the better you are the more we don't mind you being a, a complete jerk you know because if you're going to go out and get triple doubles with blocks then sure you can just i don't know search your mentions on social media and we don't really care about it until but the problem with that is that hassan Whiteside's the kind of guy where if he has a bad like five to ten game stretch, all of a sudden it's sort of like, do we really want this guy on our team? So it doesn't take long for you to sort of fade in people's memory when you're that kind of a personality on a team. And I think uh, I was I was reading something in the Miami Herald where basically Spo, uh, Eric Spolcher, Coach Spo, Wade, and Bosch were all kind of taking sh- like little sub shots at him, you know, about his effort and they're just about his, you know, the kind of things that he does and, we, you know, he, they're just sort of saying, like, there's no really room for that in this kind of an organization. And, you know, in honor of the training day being on Netflix now, I just had to take a page out of Alonzo's book. And I do, Hassan White's idea. You're in a privileged position to learn a thing or two. Keep your mouth shut and your eyes open. Say That's all you got to do. Just keep, your, just keep your mouth shut. You're in a privileged position. You're around Hall of Famers. And if you listen and if you do everything that they say, you might actually be successful in the NBA. But if you don't, you're just going to continue to just be this knucklehead. Uh, Andy Flynn, I had another question for you about the uh, about the Miami Heat. This is an important question. Dos Minutos, pro or anti? Uh, I'm anti. See, I'm extremely pro Dos Minutos. It's, it's one of those things. You're either for it or against it. I am pro Dos Minutos. I find myself in other games when there's two minutes left in other games that I'm watching that don't involve the Miami Heat. I always picture in my head I'm going, Dos Minutos. I don't know why. <laughs> Don't know why. <laughs> I I do I don't know how much before we move off of the topic of the heat I do feel like the one guy we haven't mess, uh, mentioned is Justice Winslow. I think uh, in the age of young players, he's kind of a breath of fresh air with the things he does, the way he does it. He carries himself a certain way. It, it seems like it's uh, you know I'll show you rather than I'll tell you. And, and he does a lot of nice things. I think the kid has a bright future. So, you know, before we get away from the heat, I, I just wanted to shout out Justice. I don't like his haircut, but. Yeah, so I have a couple of quick points. Quick points, too. One of them is about Justice Winslow. But first, Mark Sotomayor, I just want to say, I think every team has a can't knock the hustle player, which is just a guy that shouldn't be in the league anymore, but he's still getting those checks, and, and you just can't knock the hustle. So, Mark Sotomayor, even though he does play well in the, the little spurt that he's in, he kind of has a little role that he plays, but. Shout out to Mark Sotomayor. Can't knock the house. And he was like $200 million in the NBA. How do we get to the point where Amari Stoudemire was like the third player they talked about as the Heat went to visit the Suns? They talked about uh, Goran and Gerald Green. And then they were like, oh, yeah, Amari used to play here too. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, that, that's true. That did happen. Uh, Justice Winslow makes me believe in NBA conspiracy theories like the Illuminati. When people talk about that, there's just six people, and they're all chairmen on these all different committees like in the world, and they all control the money, kind of like a Bernie Sanders thing. Uh, but Justice Winslow makes me believe that, that exists in the NBA because there's no way that Michael Jordan looked at the draft board and looked at Justice Winslow and looked at Frank Kaminsky and just said, all right, this is who I want. I want Frank Kaminsky. There's no way that in 20 years, like, Jordan is not going to be some sort of, like, owner. <laughs> He's going to be like the owner of the Heat or like sort of like one of those weird roles where you get paid but you don't really do anything, like the ambassador of, I don't know, concession stands. I don't even know. But Jordan is getting money out of this. I'm convinced. And before we move on, I have one final question. Well, I have two final questions because I have the elephant in the room question. But the one thing that we need to know is that I've decided the Miami Heat are not going to be successful for the one pure reason, and you'll love the Sandy Flint, there's way too many white guys on this team. They have five Uh white guys. Four in their rotation. Once Vic Roberts gets back, they have six white guys if you count Chris Bosh, which which is debatable. So, uh, how many white guys is too many white guys? I think clearly five is way too many. I mean, I think two is the limit that you can have in your rotation. Once you get past three, you really don't have any shot unless you're like the '80 Celtics with Mikael Bird and Walton during those days. But otherwise, you got no shot. So, too many white guys. You want to know what the, to do it. the the real game breaker for the real deal breaker for me? is the position said white players play, and when you have two at point guard, you're not going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, three, really. I mean, if you count Tyler Johnson as a point, I don't know if you count him as a point guard. He's more of like a combo guard maybe. But, yeah, your whole point I just guard don't. I just don't count, I don't count Tyler Johnson at all. <laughs> I like Tyler Johnson. I really like Tyler Johnson. He's like one of my No, I, I, I do. I think he's a nice little energy player. I really – you know, it – and it's funny because I look at his team. I'm staring at his team picture right now, which is hilarious because he's looking at me like, you got to be kidding me. You talking to me? <laughs> like, And he plays like that. He, he's kind of like, he acts like, oh, I've been here before. I don't care. I'll shoot this shot. I'll, I'll get in your face, Andy. I mean, he's, he's that, uh, I don't want to call it cocky. He has that confidence, and, and I do like that. But, yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. count him. Shout out to the Pacers uh, <laughs> color guy who we've who we've uh, criticized before for calling Tyler Johnson a wing player while they were playing them. Somehow a combo guard is a wing player, but whatever. Uh, elephant in the room question, Andy Flint. How good are they really? Can they? So you think they're going to make some noise? You said. Um, what do you think? Conference finals. I I, I think it's very possible. Um, at this point, who makes the conference finals against the Cavs is is kind of up for debate. I think. Um, I mean, it'll be something to address when we get back. But I think they're in the top five. I think they're in good shape. I mean, you know, say they play somebody like the Hawks or the Bulls or the Pacers. These are all teams they can beat in a series. So, I, you know, I, I don't really – the thing with me is, is I'm to the point where I just don't really trust anybody in the East except for the Cavs. I mean, there's a lot of teams that are good, but, like – do I really, you know, would I bet a lot of money on the Raptors? Would I bet a lot of money on the Bulls? I just, these are things I, I don't really know, and I kind of lump the heat into that same package. So I, I do, I think that they can have success in the East. I don't, you know, I don't think they're going to win the East or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I sort of have the same thing. I was really, you know, we watched them because they were one of the potential teams I thought could challenge the Cavs, and I, watching them for an extended period, I, I didn't really see it. Um, so I, I think the Bulls are still the best chance, but like you said, I didn't really see it. And like I said earlier in the show, I do owe Knicks fans an apology for saying that they were just going to fall out of the picture. I had the right theory, just the wrong team, because that team turned out to be the Hornets, who have lost maybe like 11, like 10 out of 12 or something, something bad. They're in last place in their division now. So, They're uh, definitely 2-8 over 10. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, not doing well, even though Kemba had 52 tonight. But we are going to move on uh, to the segment that we have promised, and we are finally here. We are going to give the great San Antonio Spurs their due. Um, Andy Flint, who is appalled that how underrated that they are, wanted to talk about this. Andy Flint, how in the world are the San Antonio Spurs still underrated? They're 30 games over five or 30 games over 500, that's, that's the right statistic. They've been doing this for years. Every year we find another team to talk about that's not named the San Antonio Spurs. So tell me why we should talk about the San Antonio Spurs and tell me how in the world that they are still underrated. Okay, much like the Eastern Conference this year in the NBA, if you walk away for a week, everything changes. And what sure. I mean with this is, a couple weeks ago when we first started talking about the Spurs, they weren't really getting any love. And now that we've waited, it seems like people are starting to come around. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they're within a couple of games of the Warriors now. And sure, people are really bit. starting to see. It's still, it's still not just that much. But continue. They're still the Spurs. But they're turning this corner now. See, because now you're now people would, would shun the Spurs because to watch Tim Duncan and Tony Parker and Manu and all these extra passes and Popovich, you know, shunning the, the reporter on the sideline and making his facial expressions. It's kind of this system of, you know, what the average fan would call boring, the exact opposite of what the Golden State Warriors or the Oklahoma City Thunder are. But now this team's kind of gotten a little younger. I mean, we have Kawhi Leonard and we have LaMarcus Aldridge, and this team's starting to kind of be more exciting. And, and Kawhi Leonard is now starting to kind of get his due. I still want to yell at some of you for not voting for him in the All-Star game because that's atrocious. Get the kid in there. He deserves yeah. to be a starter. But this, I mean, we're talking about kind of a, the, the old guard turning into the new guard here a little bit. And, and some of these, we've always talked about how the Spurs weren't as sexy. And these names, you know, Kawhi Leonard and, and Lamarcus Aldridge, namely, are are a big reason to this. But I, I think this team's phenomenal. I mean, it's it's sort of to the point where we know, you and I know from watching every year, the Spurs always do this. They can creep up on you and they're going to beat teams down. But, like, this team has fresh legs. I mean, I, I hate to keep pounding the pavement here with LaMarcus Aldridge and Kawhi Leonard, but, I mean, listen, if if Tim Duncan and Manu and Tony Parker are your third and fourth and fifth best players, I mean, you're in trouble. Uh, the, the the opposition is in trouble. Like, you can't yeah. – I, I don't – I honestly – I right now where I stand, I think it's the best team in the NBA. Wow, better than the Warriors. So, okay, better I'm going to bounce off of that. Yeah. So if you didn't, like you said, if you didn't vote for Kawhi Leonard to to be in the All Star game, then Jay Z just well, we don't believe you. You need more people. You need way more people. There's no way that you can look at Kawhi Leonard play and not think he's an All Star. It's just ridiculous. But to answer the question at hand is, so I think the beginning of the season they were underrated because for the right reasons, for the most part, the beginning of the season was just all Warriors. Like every every story was the Warriors. So nobody even talked about. Other stories in the league, for example, like Paul George, the way he was playing, or even that, you know, the Cavs struggling without Kyrie and when's Kyrie coming back. I think that would have been a bigger story if the Warriors didn't get off to their start. So a lot of things suffered, and I think the Spurs were among those and probably at the lead of those things that suffered just because of the Warriors' historic start to the season. So that's fine. That's all well and good. Uh, you brought up the word boring, which I think most people call the Spurs boring, but I think the better word for it should be they're just non-controversial. So not only do they play, and even you brought up Kawhi Leonard and Marcus Aldridge, who I love both of their games, but 
I think they would probably fall into the category of a, let's say, a Tim Duncan, you know, historically, where their games are sort of, you know, they're not very entertaining to the fact that there's no highlights. You know, Kawhi's Leonard, Kawhi Leonard's game is a lot of mid-range jumpers. He sort of has the dribble off the pick and roll. He comes off the, you know, the pick and roll, and he kind of pulls up from the elbow, that kind of thing. He shoots threes. The, the, the real entertaining part of Kawhi Leonard's game comes on the defensive end when he's just, you know, shutting down guys like LeBron with a place that we have never seen. Marcus Aldridge is the same way. His game is sort of the post-up. He kind of has the turnaround jumper, which is a beautiful thing, but it's not really going to lead sports center. So, and the other thing when I bring when I say the word non-controversial is that you're not going to hear a story come out of the Spurs where, uh, you know, Tim Duncan yells at Greg Popovich after the game or, you know, Tim Duncan and, and Tony Parker not getting along, that kind of thing that you see on all these other teams where it's sort of like LeBron yells at, Timothy Mozgov after the game, or he's yelling at him on the court, or he's not helping Kevin Love up off the floor, whatever. There's so many stories on so many other teams where it's just sort of, it brings attention to them. And the, the problem, maybe not a problem for the Spurs and a guy like Greg Popovich, who probably loves that this happens, is there's not a lot of stories on the Spurs that really brings attention to the Spurs, where you just have to, you know, put your notebook down and sort of look, oh, what's going on in San Antonio? Like, we should be paying attention to this. And there's so many other teams that you find yourself paying attention to for maybe for the wrong reasons. And the Spurs, they just coast. They just rest players. Somehow they got this 7-3 Eastern European guy who, who looks like a giant out of Game of Thrones, and he's just... In the post, you know, grabbing rebounds and the, like the crowd. He's just like a cult figure with with the San Antonio crowd now. I won't even attempt to uh, pronounce his last name, especially since I don't have it in front of me. But it's something, it's something very European and just the kind of guy that you can just rally behind. And he's like seven three. He's got to weigh at least three hundred pounds. <laughs> he's, I mean, it's great, you know. And, and that's just the kind of guy that the Spurs would have, <laughs> you know. And how did they find these guys? And the other thing, I how do you how do you say that? Is, is it Maranovic? Uh, Miranovic? I think it's I think it's Miranovic, but I could be Miranovic. Considering I again I don't have the name in front of me, so I I, I don't want to just mispronounce it like that. But the other thing I wanted to bring up is that they're doing this all, and uh, Danny Green is having a horrific season. I don't know if anybody has really noticed that, but they're doing this all, and the guy that they thought was going to be one of their future building blocks is having a horrible season, and still they just. They just find a way. Manu's having a great season. Tony Parker's having a good season for the role that he's playing. Tim Duncan is just Tim Duncan. He just keeps doing what he does. And they just roll. It doesn't matter what happens with this team. They just keep rolling. You want to know what's going to happen, too, is is I keep talking about I'm fixated on Kawhi Leonard and LaMarcus Aldridge just, just because of the, you know, the excitingness of watching how the Spurs have just kind of <laughs> turned three, you know, star future Hall of Famers into a couple of new kids who are stars and could very well be Hall of Famers someday, too. But Tony Parker is kind of turning this corner now where he's starting to look like Maybe not Tony Parker of three years ago, but, like, almost that. I, I feel like Tony Parker's right. playing good basketball. He's putting the basket, you know, the ball in the basket again. And I think come playoff time, you're going to see this, this. It's almost like he's still in, like, some rust. And I don't know why he would have rust, but that's what it seems like to me. It's like it, the more you see Tony Parker, and I've been watching a lot of Spurs lately, uh, you know, with the with the way they're catching up on Golden State, Parker's – it's it's almost like he missed half a season due to injury, and maybe that is the case. The last few years, you know, he's not getting any younger. But he, 
I feel like Tony Parker's playing phenomenal basketball, and that's going to be the real X factor because if they have Leonard and you know Russell or Leonard and uh, Marcus Aldridge clicking on all cylinders, and then you have Tony Parker come in and just start playing like Tony Parker, you know the Tony Parker we know and love. I, I again, that's where I draw this conclusion where I feel like the Spurs are the best team in the league. Yeah, and I mean, that's certainly possible. I, I won't argue against it, I, even though I still think the answer is Golden State, especially watching what they did to the Cavs tonight, which was just, you just see a team, it's it's so hard to sort of analyze Golden State because of that historic one. You know, the historic start, the letdown is sort of understandable where they've lost four games. You know, they won, what, 27 in a row? Is that what they started? I don't remember the exact figure. It was 26 or 27. Um, and then, you know, you lose you lose four games and maybe this, uh, what, a 15-game stretch, something like that. So that that's the kind of thing that you expect to happen after that kind of run. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it, it most certainly it, – it's way closer than, than I think a lot of people think because they don't watch enough of the Spurs. And to, to, your, to your point, Tony Parker is playing great, I think, the story at the beginning of the season was maybe, okay, what do we do with Tony Parker? Does Patty Mills have to play 25 minutes a game? That kind of thing, because if he looked bad in the, in the, uh, with France in the FIBA championship, so he wasn't looking good then, he kind of had a slow start. But like you're saying, I, I think Tony Parker is back in the sense that he is able to play the role that they need him to play at this point for them to succeed, which is not an all-star role, but sort of, you know, to be an adequate and maybe even an above-average player on their team, and he is certainly capable of doing that. Do you have any more thoughts on the Spurs? Just one more thing real quick um, as far as the Spurs go. I was looking at some of their differentials, and we're talking about a a team who is taking less threes than their opposition, uh, just a little under one less, but they're making more. Uh, You're talking a team who's scoring like 14 more points per game than their opponents. Their field goal percentage is up. Their free throw percentage is up. Their three-point percentage is up. It's just amazing to see their their differential numbers. And the only team that uh, even comes close to that is Golden State, uh, just a little behind. So, again, I I think, uh, you know, the West is going to – watch the West not even end up being these two. (laughs) Wouldn't that be something? The the NBA is sort of strange that way. So before we move on to our final fantasy segment, I do want to debunk the the controversy because uh, I went on basketballreference.com, which if you don't use that in your spare time, you're the kind of guy that like does drugs and then walks into a police station shoeless or something like that. I don't know who you are, but you just don't do good things. Uh, the pronunciation is uh, Mar Janovic, like yawning. Mar Janovic. That is the pronoun. That is the pronunciation. Mar Janovic. So, okay. Yeah, he's just going to be a Marjanovich. Yeah, it's it's something like that. So, now that we've gotten that out of the way, we're going to move on to our final segment, which is the Fantasy Stud and Scrub segment. We give you the best and worst players in fantasy basketball. Andy Flint, who is your fantasy stud? And just a little announcement. Uh, I was telling Frank a little earlier, my internet is haywire tonight, and I've lost it. So, you're going to be on your own, fellow, with the scrub. I do have my stud, however. And that is one DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. Uh, Cousins was on a tear. I had the numbers earlier. He's just just been dynamic. Uh, well, you know what? Don't over don't the last seven days. Because my my stud my stud is DeMarcus Cousins, so I got you covered. Ah. Uh, Boogie Cousins, your <laughs> client, seven straight games with forty five plus daily fantasy points. Um, his worst game was a pedestrian nineteen thirteen and six. Uh, remember when we called Barkley crazy for saying the Kings could get the eight seed Andy Flint? Uh, currently one game out. 
and Bookie is playing tr- tremendous. He has like a uh, stretch of maybe like eight thirty and ten games, and I think the uh, the only one that wasn't a thirty and ten game was the fact that he had twenty nine points instead of thirty. And then obviously the last game out, he had the nineteen points that I just referenced. But on a good streak, Rondo leads the league in assists. Uh, Kings looking good, looking like a, a team that might make some noise. Uh, Andy Flint, your fantasy scrub is unknown, so I will go with mine. It is one Al Horford. Um, after a huge daily fantasy uh, game against Chicago and playing much better as of late, he had sort of a dud week, including nine turnovers last week, which is a killer for a big man in fantasy. You don't really expect that many turnovers from a big guy. And then he had a 2.2 rebound performance against Charlotte. So, Andy Flint, if you remember your scrub, go for it. If you don't, just tell us who we are watching next week. Yeah, I don't remember my scrub. We'll be watching... Uh, and I kind of had to get a little creative. Actually, this was my fourth option, not that the, it won't be fun to watch here. Uh, I was looking for a team since we're a day late, and usually we catch a Monday game. I was trying to get a team that still played three, so I ultimately decided on Andrew Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns, and the Minnesota Timberwolves. Oh, oh, I have not. To be honest, I have not seen many Minnesota Timberwolves games. I watched them in the beginning of the season, and probably like the first five to ten games I saw a couple, two or three, and – I haven't really watched them since, so I'm excited to see what is going on with the uh, probably the Rookie of the Year in Colorado Anthony Towns. So on that note, we are going to end the show, and we are going to end it like we always do, but next Sunday we will be back uh, at our normal time. We are going to try to get to our normal time, Sunday, 6.30 to 7 p.m. We will be with you to take you on the journey around the league, but we will end like we always do with the great philosopher Jason Williams, who once probably thought basketball is like last call at the bar. Sometimes it's better to pass without looking. With that, we bid you good night. <laughs>